All right, it is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. Tuesday, August 16th, it is the preseason. We are going to talk about the NFC offseason moves and the fantasy rundown for the NFC. Finally, seen some preseason NFL action, huh? How many preseason games did you watch? One, maybe. Well, I, I work at home, uh, you know, in my my main uh, my main gig, so I've probably seen eight games, maybe. Oh wow! So that's right. NFL Network gets to replay them all the time. Like today, I just um, saw the, the the Bears and the Broncos, and I saw some of the Bears Patriots practice, and I saw the Packers game, and I saw the Steelers game, and yeah, so. Uh, I've actually seen a lot, but I mean, only the first first quarter really matters to uh, to most of those, right? I mean, it, it, even like just the first drive, like a lot of times, if the quarterback is effective in his first drive, I think that they just go ahead and pull him. I saw that happen uh, the Kansas City game with Alex Smith, and you know, it is nice to kind of scout around some of the guys that are coming up uh, in the second and third teams, but they're really not that important fantasy wise this year. Yeah, I mean, you're mainly watching for the uh, for the defense and for those guys that are a little bit lower on the depth chart, and uh, you know, seeing who you might draft as flyers at the end of your fantasy draft. All right, so uh, as always, uh, I am Jason, joined by Dave. I think we just kind of jumped into it. We didn't introduce ourselves. This is the Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast. Well, you said that. I don't think I did. <laughs> I mean, I may just be on autopilot and have done it, but I want to do it again. Fine. Uh, anyways, um, we always start out with talking about what we are drinking tonight. Uh, I have an Anderson Valley Briny Melon Goes, uh, which is very tasty. I'm glad that it got left over from a crazy draft weekend here at the house. Um, you know, that's one of the advantages of having everybody come over and bring beer is that usually some gets left over for the podcast on Tuesday night. Yeah, until you wake up with uh, with like a terrible hangover on the, <laughs> at the end, the tail end of the weekend. Yeah, well, you know, that's not the first draft weekend that we have. It won't be the last. It's part of the fun. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about the NFC. Um, we'll just jump right in. We're going to start with the NFC East and the Cowboys. Um, so the Cowboys are looking healthy now. Uh, they have Romo back. They have Des Bryant back. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, they have their big first-round pick, uh, you know Ezekiel Elliott. He is uh, gonna be. You know, he's gonna be slotted right in. He's healthy. He's practicing with the team. There's no real worries there. Um, he is being drafted as a top three running back. Dave, do you agree with you know the hype? Do you think he belongs in the top in the first round to be drafted? <clears throat> well, it's hype until it's proven. So it's it's. I don't know if there's a agree or disagree with this sort of thing. It's like. Um, watching one of those guys like Michael Fabiano on the NFL Network uh, sort of uh, prognosticate on on how someone could do. Uh, I think the the idea that most people have is that Ezekiel Elliott could easily be the number one running back in, in the NFL because he's behind a great O-line, and they're going to go to him a lot. Um, some of the guys that he has backing him up are still 
good, but they're all a little older and all a little uh, you know weathered and, and beaten down, like Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris. So I don't expect anyone to get the carries unless he proves he can't. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so moving over to uh, the wide receivers, it's going to be Des Bryant and Terrence Williams again. They both played well in the first preseason game, if that is any kind of indication. Um, they also had uh, their draft pick quarterback um, play well enough to make them – Consider probably not signing another uh, veteran guy. Uh, speaking of veteran guys getting signed, we saw Carson Palmer, uh, not Carson Palmer, of course not. Uh, Christian Ponder got signed by the 49ers today, and it looks like uh, Colin Kaepernick is going to be relegated to maybe, you know, in injury status at this point. Yeah, so long, Colin, right? Yeah, so we'll get to the 49ers uh, a little bit later, but um, yeah, it looks like the Cowboys kind of have. Uh, what they want to do figured out this year. And it certainly could be that Tony Romo uh, with a healthy year could creep back into the top 10 quarterbacks. He's certainly not being drafted like that right now. Um, and then you've got Des Bryant who is being drafted as a top 10 receiver. And that makes sense. And Ezekiel Elliott, also a top 10 guy and behind that offensive line. I totally buy that. I mean, you can't really get any uh, better than that offensive line. I can't think of one that's clearly better than them in the league. Not clearly. Yeah. All right, so uh, next team is uh, the Giants. So Odell is going to be, I think, you know, as good as he has been in the last couple of years. He's uh, proven that he's going to catch everything that comes his way for the most part. Um, he does have to play, uh, what's his face, the Josh Norman twice this year. However, you know, I don't think that it's going to be such a big deal. Um, so he is going second overall. And if you can't get... Antonio Brown, are you taking him if you're second overall? Uh, Odell, the the Giants uh, give give fantasy players seizures sometimes, right? Uh, mostly, I think it has to do with their play calling and scheming, where they'll go one year it'll be all Odell, and the next year maybe not as much, uh, or or they'll try to get the running game going, like they keep saying with Rashad Jennings, etc. I'm sure you'll get to that. Uh, I just don't trust them very much. I don't usually draft Giants on my team because. Uh, they, they haven't been good uh, consistently, you know, standardly for a while. But Odell is the exception to that. Um, I think I think he's great. Uh, I think he, he's one of those guys that plays a little harder than you want him to because he's going to get injured a couple times of the season with some kind of crazy somersaulting catch. Uh, yeah, he is a smaller guy, so he has to kind of put that extra effort in it's fun to watch but you don't want a guy who who has a, a larger propensity for injury which maybe he is not really sure but any of these guys that are going to be targeted seven or eight plus times a game uh they're going to have a higher risk of injury than any of the other receivers so uh, i put him up in the top three for sure um you know for him, for me it's it's him and julio jones and antonio brown uh yeah definitely they're the they're definitely the top tier of uh, wide receivers for me as well. So, you know, if you're at the top of the draft, go ahead and draft him. I, I say um, you can't go wrong with any of those three guys. They are all, you know, roughly I would say the same sort of uh, risk at injury and the same sort of ceiling as well. Like they all could – well, I would say Antonio Brown's ceiling is probably a bit higher because he could have 120, 130 receptions. And the other guys I see capping out around 100 – uh, basically because their offenses just aren't as good as the Steelers' offense. Um, so you've got 10th uh, round, uh, or 
the the second wide receiver there, Sterling Shepard. I know uh, you kind of like him. Uh, he is their second round draft pick this year. He's starting opposite uh, Odell Beckham, and he is currently going in the tenth round. Uh, so that's pretty pretty far down there in terms of uh, where you would take some depth at your wide receiver, really. Um, so I, I think that he could be a good uh, option opposite Odell. And certainly if Odell goes down with an injury, then uh, Shepard could be a guy who has 80 catches this year. Uh, yeah, sure, maybe. Uh, rookies are tough for me to draft, rookie wide receivers, because we don't really know what's going on with them. Uh, and I think he might have a slightly inflated... Uh, position in the draft, but then again, if he comes on and he's the rookie of the year wide receiver and, and he, he gets you know the thousand plus yards and eight touchdowns, then that's awesome. Uh, it's just tough. It's tough to draft the rookies. It's tough to swallow uh, uh, that kind of medicine sometimes because you know it, for Shepard, for example, he's either going to have probably a great year as the tandem receiver f- for Beckham, or he might even end up third on the depth chart when he goes out there and proves he's not experienced enough and sucks. Sure. I mean, it, it could go either way at this point. And I think that him being kind of a later round pick makes it a little bit safer to just kind of wait and see with him. Um, so Rashad Jennings isn't um, supposed to be in as much of a timeshare as he has been in previous years. One of the things they said is that they just want to focus on him instead of uh, splitting the ball up as much as they have in the past which in the past maybe two years or so has made made all of the running backs on the team basically fantasy irrelevant. Uh, so, you know, Rashad Jennings is also going in the 10th round. I don't like that outlook. In you know, you were saying you don't really want any Giants on your team other than Odell, and I kind of agree with that. There aren't really any of them that I, I would take at the moment other than maybe Eli Manning as a very late-round quarterback. They could be a, a playoff team. They could be a team that goes far into the playoffs. They they could turn around at any time. They just uh, I don't know if if this is the year. And they have such a jumble um, in the backfield. Yep. So the Eagles um, they pretty much have the same fantasy uh, players as last year. The the relevant ones, anyways, with the exception of uh, uh, Demarco Murray going down to uh, Tennessee. So the Eagles are going to have. Uh, well, wait. You know, of course, uh, this, these notes were written before this morning when they signed Doriel Green Beckham from the Titans. Um, so that is a move that was just made. Dave, do you think that that could result in any sort of difference in fantasy production for DGB? Yeah, or not. Think- I was going to balk at your first statement. I mean, not to mention Carson Wentz and the fact that their entire management got mixed around. Like they're here, the whole different team. The, the the players are the same. The coach is different. Well, three of them are not in in main you know skill positions. Well, so. you still have Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles and Jordan uh, Jordan Matthews, and you've got, you know, uh, Sam Bradford is going to start at quarterback again. Well, we year. don't need to argue about semantics, sure. But but what I'm saying is there there were several players that are new, uh, and for uh, you're talking about Doriel Green-Beckham. Uh, he wasn't really doing anything on Tennessee. Richard Matthews was way ahead of him on the depth chart, uh, which is an interesting topic, too. Uh, but... Uh, Doriel Green Beckham, he's someone that our our rookie expert, for example, really liked the first year that he was a rookie, and then the second year that he was a rookie, and he's one of those guys that just hasn't gotten mature enough, and he hasn't gotten uh, where he needs to be as an athlete and on off the field uh, as well, and studying and plays and everything to become uh, a starting offensive piece um, to a football team. Yeah, it, from this trade, it kind of looks like uh, both of the teams uh, traded like their problem child. 
Um, and some of the Eagles fans on Reddit were saying, well, now him and Ruben Randall can skulk around and be the laziest people in the NFL. Well, it's unfortunate for, for the Eagles. Maybe they, they view him as a project they can turn him into something because they have Jordan Matthews, and behind Matthews is Aguilar, and Aguilar hasn't been playing well over the past uh, two years, and, and it doesn't look like he's playing any better this preseason. So maybe they're looking for him to be the number two guy. Um, one good thing about the management having been shaken up, right, is that usually the coach gets uh, a, a two-year window in which to build up some project players. Right. I don't think that the Eagles are planning on, um, you know, breaking the, the glass ceiling this year or anything. Right. It's probably like a toy for Carson Wentz <clears throat> for further down the line. Sure, you need a, a big because he's a he's a big guy. He's a model uh, specimen. If you're talking about good wide receiver ones, but I don't know if he'll ever actually turn into one. Right. He needs to learn how to run routes better. He needs to learn how to practice better so that he can become you know more of a part of the team almost. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying earlier, I guess you're right. I mean, they do have a lot of the same components. I just think they're going to be used differently because the coaches have different mindsets. Sure, I think Ryan Matthews is going to get the ball a lot, but I think Darren Sproles is going to get it a bit more this year. Um, I, I look for kind of a split between just the two guys instead of like a weird three-back ineffective rotation that they had last year. But like you said, new coach, uh, new play calling, a lot of that stuff is going to be different. Um, I, you know, I don't think that Sam Bradford is going to be that relevant uh, either way. But Jordan Matthews, he is draftable. Nelson Aguilar, he is not really draftable. Zach Ertz, maybe in a PPR league as like your 10th or 11th tight end. But that would be it. Yeah, I, I'm always going to like the skill player positions on a team like this, even though they're probably going to throw the ball less. Uh, I don't really believe in Ryan Matthews, but I never did. They also have Wendell Smallwood, which in my opinion brings them into what's going to be a, a boring three-back rotation, which is like you just what you were talking about. Well, okay. Um, but we'll see how much he gets used. Uh, he is a fifth-round pick. I don't know that he's going to have that much of an effect early on. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and Bradford threw for more yards than he's ever thrown in his career last year, so we'll see if he improves this year. He could do pretty well, but again, I think the passing offense will be somewhat stifled. So uh, I'm with you. I think I think as far as fantasy production, you're really only looking at Jordan Matthews and Ryan Matthews, the two Matthews of this team. Yeah, the Matthews who are definitely not related. <laughs> uh, so because, because of the T's, right? Because the of the T's, yeah, right? See, I just wanted to make sure. It, it, Gives it all away. It's the tease. It's a dead giveaway. <laughs> so the Redskins, they were the uh, EFC, NFC East champs of last year. They're going to be starting Matt Jones at running back. His uh, ADP currently sits in the sixth round. Uh, he'll get plenty of carries on a team that, you know, they throw the ball well, and there's going to be a chance uh, to connect, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that he outperforms his draft position, I think, and that he finishes as an RB2. So right now he's kind of outside that RB2 uh, range in the draft. I think that... Uh, there's a good chance that he's sort of unknown at the moment and that he could finish a little bit higher than where he's being drafted. Uh, so Jordan Reed and Kirk Cousins are going to connect early and often. Reed is going to finish in the top five of the position, provided he stays healthy. And he has been healthy for the most part the last two seasons. So it seems like uh, some of the injury woes he had early in his career, he's gotten behind him, which is a really good sign for a guy who can really produce and is fun to watch too. Um, so Garcon and Jackson are the wideouts. Uh, Jamison Crowder's in the slot. They're going to spread it around a lot, and I don't think any of the uh, players on this team are going to be huge fantasy studs aside from Jordan Reed. Even Deshaun Jackson is just going to be like a WR3 for the most part in my book. 
I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really like the Redskins, although they keep getting better and more offensive uh, prowess. Uh, so maybe I should turn that around a little bit. Plus, you should mention Josh Doxson, who uh, could be one of the rookie standouts from this year. Um, and he has uh, upside similar to that of Shepard or Coleman or Treadwell or any of the other guys. But he has to uh, come back from his injury and raise up in the depth chart over a guy like um, Pierre Garçon, for example. Right, and Doxon is a much better value at the moment. He's being His ADP is 146. So you can definitely get him for cheaper than those other rookies that you mentioned. Yeah, it's a you know it's a flyer pick at the end of the draft. And if you have a deep draft, and he's going to go, it just depends on where. Uh, I do like Matt Jones, although he's a fumble monster, and he only had 3.4 yards per carry last year, which is just terrible. Uh, but it was his rookie year, I believe. I like Chris Thompson a lot, who's someone that's not really talked about, but at the end of last year, he did really great, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, he's a, a fixture on that offense now, kind of like a Darren Sproles character. And when he was rushing, he had a 6.2 yard per carry, which is way superior to that of Matt Jones. Uh, of course, if you line up Chris Thompson, who's a smaller guy, uh, on the line and have him run between the tackles, then I'm sure that that average would go down pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it, it's all about the the actual sample that you are sizing, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Redskins, you know, there's going to be fantasy talent there. Kirk Cousins may creep back into the top ten quarterbacks. He, you know, I don't necessarily expect him to because if you're going to say all right everybody's going to be uh relatively healthy then he doesn't make the top 10 but you know not that never happens so uh he's going to uh you know for instance he's like the highest available uh, uh free agent you know the best quarterback that didn't get drafted in our drink five draft recently Sure. I, I also I do like Jordan Reed as well, but I don't know what you mean when you say that he just he's played a lot of games in the past years because I don't really see that personally. Uh, I see 14 last year and 11 the year before, and the year before he had zero touchdowns. So it's like his production sort of was only last year, really, if you're looking at it objectively. Well, you kind of saw in his previous seasons that he could be good. He just needed to play a lot. I thought he had played 14 games both of the past two years. But you're right. Mostly last year was his consistent year. The year before that was still kind of sketchy. So uh, we'll see. But I, for one, think that he's going to be injured for at least four games out of the season, uh, which does put a damper on things if you have a guy who gets injured every year. But there's a reason why he's going in the top five tight ends because that's where he's projected to be. Right. And, you know, last year he had 87 catches in 14 games, 11 touchdowns. Yeah, well, it was his third year, breakout year, and... and Here's his chance to uh, be consistent. To prove it. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on to the NFC North. Uh, we've got the Bears. The Bears um, changed a little bit from last year, but not too much. Mostly it's uh, players departing. So they lost Matt Forte to the Jets, Martellus Bennett to the Patriots. Uh, Jeremy Langford is now going to be their starter at uh, running back, and he is being drafted in the sixth round. Um, so I, I kind of like him. Uh, not necessarily, you know, around there is fine. I do really like the uh, lots of wide receivers early strategy, although having done a couple of drafts now, uh, I can tell you that, you know, as much as you may intend to go into the draft doing that, uh, like any draft, you're going to change what you're going to do based on how the draft is going. And that's what always happens. So, um, yeah. well, I, I think it's the spot that you end up in personally. Absolutely, you're if, right. If you're two or, or or ten, it doesn't seem difficult for me. I, I was sitting at like five and six, 
in, in a draft where there's four or five wide receivers already gone, it, it seems it seems like not the right thing to do. I but, agree. But I, you know, I you sit there and you're torn about your own your own philosophies. So we'll see we'll see what happens. Sure. So if you are someone who's able to get a lot of wide receivers early and you need to pick up some running backs as starters later, you know, Jeremy Langford, you could do worse with him. Um, they should have a relatively efficient offense uh, this year as long as Jay Cutler can keep the turnovers to a minimum, which, you know, he's gotten a little better at that, but he's certainly not known for that, not like an Alex Smith or someone like that. I still think you're going to see Langford in a huge committee with Jordan Howard, Kadeem Carey, and Jaquiz Rogers. And I think that that's kind of what the coaches want, really, is to just kind of rotate their players, blah, blah, blah. They don't think they're going to win, you know, 12 games this year. That's not... That's not. <laughs> you're right. I think, I think everyone there knows that. They're still trying to figure out who the pieces are, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see some experimentation going on. Um... But you're right. I mean, if there's a if there's a leader uh, in the backfield, then he's showed that he should at least you know give, be given tryouts for that position. He'll be the starter in name, if not in you know actual activity. But you're right. He may only get you know 45 to 50 percent of the carries, and have to split it with three other guys. Um, you know, that's certainly something that John Fox did when he was in Denver, and that he used to do when he was in Carolina. So um, that is his mo. He didn't have a guy like Matt Forte anymore. And even last year, Forte, he had to split, you know, share the load a lot more than he had in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got Zach Miller at tight end. He's going to be the guy there. He was good last year when he played, uh, but he is no Gary Barnage when it comes to late career revivals. Uh, so Zach Miller at tight end, he'll be replacing Martellus Bennett. Uh, Bennett was a little ineffective last year, though. He probably is the more talented tight end. Um, so he's got a lot of work to do to really, truly replace Martellus Bennett. Uh, and then at wide receiver, you've got Alshon Jeffrey. He's hopefully healthy, you know, Alshon hamstring Jeffrey. And uh, Kevin White, who did not play at all last year, I believe he was injured in the preseason. Um, he was their first-round pick last year. He'll be making the field, hopefully. Uh, so, you know, you've got Jeffrey and White uh, playing alongside these uh, younger running backs. And then Jay Cutler, who... Um, is a guy who has had nothing but you know turmoil for most of his career. So hopefully, you know, a, a couple of years of consistency in his book uh, can help him, you know, run an offense better. Because he really, you know, that's been one of his big problems is that he's almost always had a different kind of offense from year to year. You know, when Lovey Smith was around, they would change offensive coordinators all the time, and it didn't change. You know, that kept happening when Lovey Smith left. I have nothing to add. I, I think Jeffrey and White, if they're both playing, can make the team fantasy relevant. Uh, but no one else is really... I'm not interested in anyone else in the team. Yeah, and White is kind of like uh, the same sort of risk as a rookie right now. He is going in the ninth round, which I feel is maybe a little high for him. I would almost feel better you know, taking a flyer on one of the rookies we were talking about earlier that you can get a little bit later. Uh, so uh, over in Detroit... Uh, with the Lions, Megatron, he is gone now. He left a mega-sized hole at wide receiver. Does that work for you? You got it. <laughs> it works. All right. <clears throat> Anquan Bolden, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. We're going to try to fill those shoes. Uh, Tate, we did see him go over 1,300 yards when Johnson was out in 2014. Uh, he caught over 90 passes that year. He also caught uh, 90 passes last year, but his average per catch was down by like four or five yards. 
So he only had about 900 yards receiving on nine, 90 catches. Um, so I, I look for him to uh, go back to a you know a longer targets, more receiving yards, um, more efficient, if you will, in terms of fantasy points per touch, which is a stat that we love to see here. Um, so I think Tate will be better than he was last year, especially in a PPR league. Um, I'm not sure where he is going right now. Did you draft him on any of your teams, Dave? Yes. Um, so, yeah, he is 51 ADP. That's early sixth round, WR24. So he's definitely being drafted as a starter still. And uh, I, I like that value right there. I think that if he's available in the sixth round for you, you need a wide receiver, take him. Well, keep in mind that uh, the Tate, if, if Marvin Jones works out as the outside guy, which is what they drafted him for, for, or not drafted, but where they picked him up for, um, then Tate becomes the slot guy, basically, on that team. So I don't know if you're going to see more yards per target. You might go back to the 100 uh, targets for, uh, for six yards each kind of thing. Yeah, that would put him more in the category of a Julian Edelman, uh, Jarvis Landry, somebody who you're going to want to... Um, have more often in a PPR league. Well, Tate's Tate's whole thing, his whole... Uh, but he's the, still worth owning. The success of him on your team has more to do with how many touchdowns he gets than anything else. So, uh, I agree. I, I think I am going to enjoy watching this team. Um, I I like some of the, the running backs on the teams as well. I suppose Golden Tate's never been one to score lots of touchdowns. But he had uh, six last year. So, that's solid. Um... Well, I mean, catching the ball isn't a problem for him, so the the added points are the ones that will make you <laughs> will make you sure to stick him in the number two or three spot. Sure. Uh, at running back on the team, Amir Abdullah, I know you uh, you kind of like him. He's definitely not being drafted very high at all. I think a lot of people are really low on the Lions, rightfully so. Uh, personally, I don't think I'll be drafting anybody from the Lions this year unless like Golden Tate falls to me. Um, I think I might have taken like a Marvin Jones as a very late round guy. Um, so do you think Amir Abdullah is going to have like a solid year starting? Do you think he's going to be sharing too many carries uh, with Theo Riddick? And what else they got? Steven Ridley over there? I don't think Steven Ridley's going to do a whole lot. Uh, no, Ridley's not anything. He hasn't been anything since he was on the Patriots, unfortunately, for Ridley. Uh, I like Amir Abdullah, like you mentioned. He was a, a rookie um, last year. So that's his rookie season. A uh, guy who gets 800 yards and a decent yards per carry, that's not anything to uh, to scoff about. I mean, look at a guy like Matt Jones, who's now the starter and people are drafting him high. Well, Abdullah technically did better than he did, I think. Um, Theo Riddick is also was great last year in PPR leagues because he's getting tons of catches. He had 80 catches uh, in 2015 for 697 yards and three touchdowns. So that's a guy that you can you know put in off your bench as a RB two or in a flex position. That's probably going to give you a good game, especially if Detroit's playing someone that doesn't uh, you know do particularly well against those kind of situations. There's a lot of teams out there that just let those backfield running backs, those PPR guys, kind of go crazy. Um, yeah, anybody playing Danny Woodhead. <laughs> so uh, so so mind that you know, but but I'm not saying that either of these guys are going to be amazing. Just that if you're drafting like a zero running back team or if you're looking for guys later in depth, both of them are great choices and both of them could do better than they're being drafted at. All right, I do like the Amir Abdullah pick as a late round, uh, as a zero running back strategy as opposed to the zero uh, wide receiver strategy, which you tested out the other day. That's not true. (laughs) That's an inside joke, but it's not true. So the Packers, 
Um, as is tradition, they only have homegrown talent. It's crazy how these guys manage to pull it off year after year. So Jordy Nelson is returning. Uh, he was out last year with an ACL tear. He tore it in the preseason. So uh, he was you know, useless to anybody who drafted him early. Um, and then they've got uh, Randall Cobb, who should, I think, benefit from Jordy Nelson being back. We saw this team uh, be you know, the victim more than others uh, that we've seen of the top guy going down, and it, it just shows that that top guy meant so much to everyone down the line on the team. Randall Cobb does not have the talent to be the main you know target on a team. It has to be Jordy Nelson. But when it is Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb has the talent to be very productive. It reminds me of Marshall and Jeffrey. You know, you needed a guy as good as Brandon Marshall to bring a guy like Alshon Jeffrey up to where he was. Um, and I think that, you know, with Nelson back, they're going to be able to kind of go back to where they were because it's Aaron Rodgers throwing in the ball. So, you know, it's not like Aaron Rodgers is going to forget how to do that. Well, there's also McCarthy and the fact that he wasn't doing the plays like he usually did last year, and the, the team kind of fell apart in general. Is he taking over the play calling again? Yeah, he said he will never let that happen again in his career. Smart man. So whether or not that is something that actually was effective in, in making the Packers a bad fantasy team, that's what they were. Uh, well, if they're a bad team, then they're not going to be as good of a fantasy team. I know, but sure. what, what I when I look at the team and say, uh, well, Randall Cobb didn't play well, and Devontae Adams was a disappointment, and Richard Rodgers didn't do anything, and Eddie Lacy was bad, like, are, are we sure that's all on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders? Or maybe this team really isn't as good as we thought it was, and for whatever reason, in the past couple of years, they've just kind of hit it on all cylinders. Well, I'm saying that you know Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson kind of mask a lot of that and, and help make those other guys better. And then this year, um, you know, you've got Eddie Lacy, who's in much better shape. P90 Eddie Lacy is going to be well. It's all you know. It's all conjecture. A better guy until you put it on the field, but. But yeah, uh, and Jordy Nelson, if he comes back healthy and great, then perhaps we can see that again. But isn't it possible that he is uh, over the hump now? Isn't he like 30-something uh, years old? Uh, I don't think he is that old. Let's take a look. I, I, you know, I think that these wide receivers and the technology nowadays uh, can really do a whole lot for these guys. He was born in 85. He's 31 now. So, you know, I think that... He's right hitting the peak of I'm just saying <laughs> of where wide receivers usually go. So he's been playing since 08. Um, he's got a little bit of mileage uh, under him, but he's not been around like too long. This is not to say that the Packers might not have a successful campaign. Uh, this is just to say that that these guys on their own merits didn't perform all that admirably. And Jordy Nelson is hitting the sort of end, uh, um, you know, trail of his career. So this is his eighth season. It's something to think about, anyway. But I agree with you. If, if all those guys are healthy, there's not really a reason why they shouldn't be the the top team once more in the uh, NFC North. Oh well, that's you know, uh, yes. If if they're all healthy and firing on all cylinders, they, they will be the top team. But the the team that did win the division last year is the Vikings. And they should only be getting better, right? I think so. So the Vikings um, do look similar to last year. They've got Adrian Peterson. He's going at the top of your draft. He's going to finish uh, at the top of the score sheet, provided he stays healthy, and he's been healthy every year except for one. So uh, that's a you know about as safe of the running back bets as you can get, I think. And <laughs> I think that he'll be very good this year. 
Uh, Teddy Bridgewater should continue to get better. Um, I don't see him being relevant in a regular league. Maybe, certainly in a two-quarterback league he will be, but he's not good enough to be, you know, a guy who you're starting in a 10-quarterback league or even a guy who you're using as a serious backup uh, or a streaming option. Well, he's not a bad quarterback, but he's not a good fantasy quarterback. Exactly. And he may never be a great fantasy quarterback, but he'll help the Vikings win games, and that's going to help out uh, a lot of these other guys. So you do have Stephon Diggs and Charles Johnson uh, at uh, wide receiver, as well as the uh, rookie Laquan Treadwell. Um, So Diggs is being drafted highest out of those guys. He has the most chance, I guess you would say, uh, to be uh, you know the main producer there. However, I think maybe you have a better value with Laquan Treadwell because he, you can get him for so cheap, and he has maybe just as good of a chance as Diggs. I don't think any of these guys really are like um, talents that you, you have you can't ignore. You know, any of these guys could just have a middling year. It's certainly on a team that doesn't have like an explosive passing offense. So Kyle Rudolph may end up being like the best receiver again. I don't think so. But <laughs> but but Stefan Diggs, right, uh, and Charles Johnson both had weird spurts in their career where like they were only really good for a series of games in one particular year. Uh, like last year Diggs only had 740 yards and four touchdowns. Um, so even though he was being looked at as the number one receiver there and he technically was, he wasn't really that good. Um, and then after uh, the hot streak he went on, he kind of just win in the dumps and only finishes the 46th best wide receiver overall in fantasy. So not really a starter, not a startable person. Right. Uh, consistently standard-wise throughout the season. Now, Treadwell has the measurables to be a wide receiver one, but he's currently behind those two in the depth chart. So he's not going to start the year as a guy who's the number one guy on the, on the Vikings. And you're right that the Vikings don't chuck the ball downfield. That's why they ditched Mike Wallace as fast as they picked him up. Because he's not useful to them. Because you don't need a guy who runs 4-4 really fast down the, down the straight uh, and narrow. Um, yeah, nobody's going to throw you the ball anyways. But as a possession receiver, you know, we can see Treadwell work into something uh, similar to maybe even a Brandon Marshall-esque character. Who's going to be this giant body who can wrestle the ball away, who's going to be able to make every catch. So, if Adrian Peterson is, is able to keep people stacking the box, then Treadwell... Uh, and either Johnson or Diggs, whichever one of those guys ends up being you know, good this year, uh-huh. is what I think we'll see at the end of the year, is, is Treadwell and one of the other guys as you know, the, the one and two players. So I agree with you that you shouldn't take a Diggs or a Johnson. It would be a better bet to take a Treadwell at the end of the year, uh, at the end of the draft, and just sort of uh, wait on him for a couple weeks to see if he moves up the depth chart and starts a bigger role. Because then, if you miss out, then it's just you took a flyer and it didn't work. Otherwise, if you're taking one of the the, uh, the possible other guys, like Johnson, who might turn into nothing, or Diggs, who at best is going to have a couple of good games strung together, in my opinion, uh, then you're losing out on that draft pick. And um, Kyle Rudolph has been consistently rated like way out of the top ten after, what, two years ago when we thought he was maybe a top five guy? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Kyle Rudolph is like right around tight end twenty. He's not even catching any. But any you know, balls like anymore. last year, the best receiver on the team only had like seven hundred yards. So well, exactly. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of like big production going on there. All right, so why don't you grab a glass? Let's take a moment, and then we'll jump into the NFC South. Okay. 
So I hold here in my hands a beer that I had to get once I saw it on this shelf. It is uh, from our, you know, one of our new favorites at Spiteful Brewing. Uh, the beer is called Selfies Are For Wieners. It's a double IPA with honey. Yeah. So, you know, it, they had another uh, something is for are for wieners. I, I don't remember uh, what it was, but um, the Selfies Are For Wieners really, you know, resonated with me. So, uh... It is step one, comb your hair. Step two, eyes open, take selfie. Step three, punch yourself in the nuts. Step four, never take selfie again. So, um, yeah, this is 9.4% alcohol by volume. So enjoy. I think that uh, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> I like the, the double IPA with honey. Like you said, it's like Hopsland. So we've got the uh, NFC South and the Atlanta Falcons. So the big fantasy names in on the Falcons, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, they're being drafted in the first and second rounds, respectively. I think that they belong there. Julio Jones is an awesome wide receiver. He's going to get a ton of catches, like 100 catches this year. He's going to have, you know, great stats. Uh, don't worry about him. Devonta Freeman had a great sort of breakout year last year, um, but they want to give him the ball still. Um, Tevin Coleman hasn't done, you know, so much that he's, you know, going to be taking over for Devonta Freeman. So I still think that Freeman is sort of, uh, you know, a, a good running back for this year. I don't like the idea of drafting running backs in the second round just on principle, so I don't think I'll be drafting him anywhere. Um, but I do have him in the Dynasty League, and I look forward to his, you know, I think that he'll have a good year this year. But I don't know that... Um, you know, drafting running backs in the second round is the right move when you're making a team. Well, to to his point, we, we talked about this two weeks ago where obviously drafting running backs get injured more often. And uh, Devonta Freeman had a great year. No one can deny that. But uh, so often running backs, unlike wide receivers, you know, in the same situation where they have a great year, they, they regress a lot. And so that could be because they were worked too hard the previous year, if they if they take you know a million carries, then they don't just come back from that like a wide receiver might because he's not running into three hundred pound linemen every play. So right, it's only every five or six plays for a wide receiver. It could very well be a guy like Tevin Coleman, or say Devonta Freeman gets injured, we could see uh, them pick up a free agent guy and he ends up becoming the the you know the starter there. You never know. Sure, running backs are a very volatile position, so that's one of the reasons why we say you know yes, this guy has got a good outlook. Yes. He's probably being drafted, you know, in the right-ish spot, but I just wouldn't take him because I don't. I'm not going for that position. So I think there's some regression that's in the cards for him, but he's going to open up the season as the starter for the Falcons. But hey, he's available like middle of the third round, and I'm in a draft. I might, I might grab him. Um, so uh, Matt Ryan's touchdown totals. He only had like 21 touchdowns last year. I don't know if part of that is because you know Devonta Freeman had so many touchdowns on the ground that it sort of took away from the passing opportunities for touchdowns. Um, 
I think that maybe looking a little too far into it. Uh, Matt Ryan, I think, will go up a little bit. Uh, he does have Mohamed Sanu now. They don't have Roddy White anymore. Roddy White was pretty ineffective over the last few years, so I expect Sanu to be better, and he'll be the guy uh, at the number two spot. I don't know that he is uh, worth anything more than like the last bench spot on your team. I think that he's being drafted around there, like 14th, 15th round. I don't know. Atlanta's a passing team, and, and uh, they, they like to pass the ball. It's just that Roddy White was terrible last year. And that could be half of the reason, uh, right, why Matt Ryan didn't have that many touchdowns like you touched on. Freeman had way too many, yeah, uh, more than he should have probably. Yeah, and I mean, Roddy it was like White, 14. That was more than anyone's average. And Roddy White had, like, nothing. So right. the only person that scored touchdowns on the passing offense were uh, uh, Julio Jones and, I guess, and some collection of all. tight ends. Exactly. <laughs> so Sanu is available very late. Uh, 189 is his ADP. So odds are he's not even drafted in your league, and you can just pick him up as a free agent um, if maybe one of your guys pulls a hamstring in preseason or something like that. Yeah, well, if he does shape up to be something good, then that means that there's he's going to be snapped up pretty quickly. Look, look for him on the waiver wire week one or two. Right. Because I agree with you. I think that he'll be better. We saw in Cincinnati, he's very talented. You just have to get the ball in his hands. Well, if he can scoop up you know, 70% of what Roddy White used to get opposite Julio Jones, that'd be awesome. But Roddy White was a, was a superstar when he was still playing. Right. I mean, you remember the year where Julio Jones was coming up and Roddy White was the main guy still? Sure. That was a nice one for those guys. That's right. That's some PPR stuff right there. Yeah, that's some crazy PPR points. <laughs> so I'm not even sure. At tight end, I believe they have Jacob Tammy. So there's not a whole lot going on there. Um, it's, you know, if it's going to be a passing offense again, and, and they've lost, you know, they've changed up the coaching staff and stuff. So I'm sure they'll have a slightly different approach then uh, it's going to be Julio and it's going to be Sanu. So Julio Jones drafted in the first round, no-brainer. I think he should be a top-five pick in pretty much any league, standard or PPR. Um, And then, you know, Freeman, yeah, he'll get drafted early. And after that, you don't really need to draft anybody else on this team. So they're very top-heavy. You've got the Panthers, the reigning NFC champions. Um, They did lose in the Super Bowl to the Broncos. Uh, but they have several very good fantasy players returning this year. Uh, Cam Newton is a third-round ADP. Greg Olson, a fifth-round ADP. Those are kind of no-brainers. I see Cam Newton uh, actually kind of creeping up in the ADP. Um, my theory behind that is that most of the drafts that have been go- done up to this point are people who are a little more in serious about fantasy football, so they're not going to start drafting him as early. People, um, in general who just play in leagues more casually are going to want quarterbacks earlier. And they're going to want Cam Newton, the best quarterback. Uh, so I think that his ADP is going to push him up into the second round. So, you know, pass on that unless uh, your league uh, has special scoring that makes quarterbacks so much better. And then you're going to want Cam Newton because he'll score so many more points than everyone else. Um, so he does have Kelvin Benjamin back. Uh, Devin Funches is getting talked up a lot at camp. He could be a draft steal. His ADP is currently 161. Um, so do you think that uh, it's legitimate to say that Devin Funches could be you know, a better wide receiver than Kelvin Benjamin this year? Sure. The only reason that Kelvin Benjamin had such a big year is because he's a tall guy that was able to grab the passes in the end zone because uh, there was no one else on the team to do that except for Greg Olson. If... Cam Newton has both Benjamin and Funchess because Ted Ginn doesn't really matter. He's going to you know, get some of those outside 
uh, routes. But if he has the guys to pass it to to get those first downs and, and touchdowns in the red zone, then he's going he's gonna to use them. Uh, and if Devin Funches ends up being a better, more consistent guy than Benjamin, then he's going to skyrocket up to, uh, to being the number one receiver there. Um, we, we saw him catch a bunch of touchdowns last year. It's just that he was um, he was a uh, excuse me he was a rookie last year, so he caught five touchdowns, uh, but he only had thirty receptions. So five touchdowns on thirty receptions. It's a uh, very good rate. Yeah, and he didn't really get phased into the offense until sort of the last part of the year, I believe. So he was only a starter for five games. Yeah. So I really think that there's a there's a strong possibility that Kelvin Benjamin is being super overdrafted. And that no one's paying attention to uh, to Funchess, and I think if you read um, uh, our site or or other expert sites out there, you're going to see the same kind of idea floating around. Yeah, so Devin Funchess is maybe one of the better steals of the guys that we're talking about tonight. Or I shouldn't say steal; he's a sleeper uh, at this point because he's being drafted so low. Um, you know, the highest he's being drafted in any of the. Uh, Sites is uh, 144 on FFC, um, Fantasy Football Calculator, which is a mock draft site. So, um, you know, he's going to be available in pretty much any draft you're in. So go ahead and snap him up at the end. Uh, definitely would rather have him over a lot of the guys we've been talking about so far. So at running back in Carolina, you've got Jonathan Stewart. Uh, he's going to be right where he was last year. He's being drafted at the end of the fifth round. He's the RB20. I kind of see the same sort of production in line for him again this year. Uh, I don't see this team's offense really slowing down very much. If anything, they're going to pick up steam a little bit. Um, they've got Jonathan Stewart for the bulk of the carries. They've got Mike Tolbert, um, and they've got Fozzie Whitaker to kind of change the pace up. But it's going to be Jonathan Stewart 60%, 70% of the time. Uh, so he's going to be a great uh, starter. You know, His ADP uh, at the end of the fifth round probably means that he's a little too high. Um for me, I don't know that, um, but you know, maybe if you're doing the zero running back strategy, uh, light version we'll call it, and you take four wide receivers, you know, he's maybe your uh, first running back. You could do worse than that. I think that a guy who's going to get you know 70% of the carries on a team is uh, you know okay to have as your start, you know, to anchor your team, even if he isn't like top round talent or anything like that. Uh, Jonathan Stewart would have probably been higher up in the ADPs uh, if he had played all 16 games, if he was a little younger, etc., because he's had such a good offense. But uh, I, I'm on the same page. Okay, so moving on to New Orleans. Uh, the Saints' main acquisition on offense has been Kobe Fleener. So they needed to fill the hole that Jimmy Graham left, and that was left more than a year ago. Uh, ben Watson filled the hole admirably for a little while. Uh, but he did not stay on the team. He's over in Baltimore. So you've got Kobe Fleener on his own at tight end, essentially. Uh, a very pass-oriented tight end who is uh, on a team with one of the best uh, quarterbacks of our time. So um, I think that Fleener, he's being drafted as a top-10 tight end. He's uh, going at the end of the seventh round right now. I think that that's great value. And apparently he was listed today on accident as uh, part of the fourth-team offense. 
So maybe somebody just reads that little news update and decides to pass on them. No, not today. For the, for the whole uh, for the whole off season. Oh, really? It was up there for the whole off season. There was an uh, I guess an, well, they're saying that perhaps it was an intern that had made some kind of a mistake and it was just finally corrected. Well, yeah, you don't admit to that mistake. You blame it on an intern. <laughs> the intern has been fired. Huh. The person responsible for the sacking has been sacked. I don't I don't know how important of a mistake that is, but it's interesting. And yeah, Fleener should should skyrocket. I like Michael Thomas there. I think he's an awesome uh, acquisition. Yeah, he I believe is a rookie, right? Or no, that doesn't sound right. Is uh, he a rookie this year? Yeah, he comes from Ohio State. He's a rookie this year as their number three on the depth chart. But I mean, he he looks like that kind of big receiver guy that Breeze is going to love. He's six three two twelve. Uh, was a round two draft pick, and I think he's going to quickly overtake. Uh, Anybody else who's ahead of him, except for Brandon Cooks. So, we'll see. I mean, Willie Sneed will be in there as well. It'll be those three guys. But Yeah, Willie Sneed, Brandon Coleman, Brandon Cooks. Um, not Coleman. Coleman was already tried out, and he didn't really work. Well, like I was going to say, Cooks for sure, and then, you know, Thomas and Sneed will battle it at the beginning, but I see Thomas kind of filling that role. Well, they love Coleman because he was 6'6", right? So, 6'6", 225 is a wide receiver. He's more like a tight end build. Uh, and he never really worked out for for the team. He only ended up getting 400, 500 yards, and he ball like he couldn't catch some of those passes, unfortunately. Yeah. But you know, big slot guy. So Drew Brees is going to have fun because he has a lot of targets, and that's what he loves to do: pass the ball around. So Drew Brees, uh, he is being drafted as the fifth quarterback, 52 ADP. That's early sixth round. Um, he'll probably produce just fine. Is another example of someone who's going to be too expensive for most of our draft strategy recommendations uh, that we did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, as Dave mentioned earlier, go back and listen to our podcast from two weeks ago uh, about drafting. Before you go draft, uh, you won't regret it. You're going to have a much better draft if you take our advice. I promise. That's the idea. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so right now you've got um, Mark Ingram. His ADP is 23. He's the RB11. Uh, I think that if he gets at least as many carries as he had last season, he's got a really good shot at finishing in the top 10. Um, this can be a good offense. They have been trying to replace the wide receivers, which they've needed to do for a couple years. It seems like now they've got at least two really talented guys. They know that Kobe Fleener can catch the ball. It's just a matter of can he learn uh, Sean Payton's probably complicated offense. And Kobe Fleener is a Stanford guy. I think he's smart enough to do that. It's a good year for the Saints, probably, and uh, they, they tried the C.J. Spiller experiment, which didn't work, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just off the team. Right. I mean, he probably has to battle to make the 53-man roster at this point. Yep. So a different team seems to win the South almost every year. The Panthers have won it a couple years in a row. Um, so I think that the Panthers do not win it this year. I think that a different team will win the division. Panthers are too good. To not win the division? Yep. So, uh, the Buccaneers, as with uh, lots of other teams, not a whole lot of changes here. Uh, Jameis Winston, Doug Martin, Vincent Jackson, Mike Evans are all back. Basically in the same situation fantasy-wise. Um, the biggest change from last year, I suppose, is that Austin Zafarian Jenkins has essentially fallen off of the radar. Uh, whether he is being kind of you know, put down in the doghouse, or maybe the new coach doesn't like him because he wasn't. He was a draft pick last year, so sometimes coaches come in and they uh, really don't like all of the draft picks um, that were taken, and those guys kind of fall off to the side pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, for whatever reason, Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, can't seem to get past guys like Cameron Brait and Luke Stockler. Um, 
so I, I don't really uh, see much of a future for ASJ in Tampa Bay. Um, are, you know, are there any of the other guys on the team that you think that uh, you've got to have on your team or that they're really good values at their draft points? Well, one, I think it's way too early to pass judgment on a guy like Jenkins when he's clearly the most talented tight end on the team. But uh, if it is something specifically between him and the coach, then who knows? Uh, he'll go somewhere else, uh, and he'll get a shot somewhere else. Maybe it's just a head case. Uh, I, I think Mike Evans is a, is a good topic because he did not as well as anyone expected last year, and he, he could come right back up to being a top five uh, or top ten wide receiver this year. Uh, and Vincent Jackson's on the other side of his career, where he's like a like a Roddy White sort of fading light. Yeah, totally. But I don't think that Mike Evans is as good as Julio Jones, and certainly not rising as high. I don't think anyone would argue that. <laughs> no one is trying to. You're right. <laughs> uh, so Mike Evans is being drafted 24th overall. Uh, maybe a little high for him, uh, especially considering his output last year. I think a lot of people are uh, remembering his rookie season, but his rookie season had a different quarterback. Yeah, but. But so he, he actually got more yards in 2015 than 2014. It's just that in 14 he had 12, he touchdowns, had 12 touchdowns, and in 15 he had three. So the, the idea is Winston has been getting better, uh, and Mike Evans was, was, I guess, overweight, not in shape, not in sync. Not getting those jump balls to, for touchdowns anymore. So it's obviously going to get more than three touchdowns, right? Right, <laughs> but I don't think he's going to 12. Um, so... You know, a guy who's being drafted is WR11, who I don't see as getting more than eight touchdowns. Like, that's pushing it. It's I'm not saying he's, like, way overvalued or anything. I'm just saying it's pushing it. Um, you know, at that same ADP, you've got Amari Cooper and Brandon Cooks, who I think have higher ceilings, and I'd rather have them. It's tough for me to say that, that Amari Cooper has a higher ceiling than Mike Evans when he's never gotten as many touchdowns or like performed as well as Mike Evans already has. It's about the future, and I think that. But Dave, Mike Derek Evans Carr, only played for two years, man. They both well, Amari Cooper's only played for one. Exactly. So I mean, these guys. I don't know if we can really say I, that. And it's about who's throwing in the ball. I think that Derek Carr can throw thirty plus touchdowns. I don't see Jameis Winston doing that. Didn't he already? Winston? Yeah. No. Well, whatever his stats are, I think Winston's probably the the best guy to come out of the draft. He threw 22 year. touchdowns. He was the first overall pick. He threw 4,000 yards, 22 touchdowns, 15 picks. That's good for a rookie. Okay, um, I, I just disagree with you. I think Evans is going to come back up, uh, will be high this year. And Cooper only had 1070 and six touchdowns, so he can't touch anything that Evans already put up. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to, to tell... To, to say that a guy's going to have a higher ceiling when they've only played for a combined three years in the NFL. Would you like to bet on uh, Cooper versus um, Cooper versus Evans for the year? I'll take Cooper. I I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let me think you, about any, it. Any, anybody else in the Buccaneers you want to cover? Well, you didn't really talk about uh, Doug Martin, et cetera, in the running game. Well, yeah, Doug Martin, but maybe the more interesting pick here uh, could be Charles Sims, who is being drafted as the running back 40, uh, 113 overall. If you're in a, um, if you are in a PPR league and you need depth at running back, guys who could fill in on bye weeks and stuff like that, I think that Charles Sims is an excellent option there uh, at the end of your bench. Sure, I'll bet on Evans. We we just gonna play uh, um, like standard. Fantasy League, 
more fantasy points than the other guy. Yeah. Great. What do I win? Um, uh, I don't know. What should we bet on? Oof. There's always the standards. We haven't. We we don't have many bets for next year, so the standards are still up in the air. Yeah. Mike Evans versus Amari Cooper. Uh, you've got Mike Evans. I've got Cooper. All right. Interesting. I don't know. I was just looking at the ADP and picked him out because he was right after him. Um, anyways, we can figure out what the what the stakes will be a little bit later. Um, but you do have Doug Martin being drafted pretty high, I would say. Um, he is uh, the running back nine, uh, 19th overall. He, you know, if he's in the third round, if he's still available, I, I may consider taking him. Uh, just because he has such a high ceiling, he is the muscle hamster. He did bounce back last year and have a very good year. Um, and we know that they want to keep him. They want to keep running him a lot. So, uh, do you like Doug Martin? You know, would you want him? Would you want to draft him this year if if he was available late third round for well, you? We just talked about how our you know draft strategies for this particular year are not to draft a bunch of running backs. So I'm never going to take him. It's never going to happen. You know, go second round, third round, fourth round running backs, I'm just going to skip over entirely. Yeah. E- even if I do end up taking a guy because I think there's high value in the first, which I have done this past weekend, I'm not going to take any of those other guys because the the receivers that or tight ends, or et cetera, that you could take in those positions, are their value is much higher to me. Um, that said, I, I think Martin's just as good as any of them. It's just they're a jumble. They're a jumble of guys that will probably run for 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. So, how do you pick between those guys, <laughs> and uh, which one has the the higher or lower injury, um, you know, possibilities? I I really don't know how to uh, how to qualify that. I mean, or quantify it. I mean, so so I'm just gonna take the receivers instead, who have a less of a, a injury occurrence. Yeah, um, I, you know, I'm in the same boat at this point. I mean, if we're if we're talking about guys between his own tier, then we're talking about LaShawn McCoy, uh, Mark Ingram, um, Eddie Lacy. So any of those guys could end up in the top five, and uh, it's it, it's pretty impossible to choose, to be honest. How do you make that decision? Really, it comes down to like um, you know. Are guys available at a certain point where it's just screaming like you have to take him? It's such good value, you know. Then I, you know, then and only then do I take him. Like you took Jamal Charles in the third round uh, of our uh, PPR draft. Yes, exactly. And, and he's a good PPR player, but you took him in the third round after already taking David Johnson because that value was just. I would have done the same thing. That value was there, and it was just screaming in your face. You have to take this player because that's the smartest pick right now. And, you know, that's maybe the hardest thing to do in these drafts when you go in with a draft strategy and you say, I want to do all of this, you know, the to have the guts to just change it all. Like, you know, I, I cheers you for that. You know, you, you went and you you totally changed it. And you still drafted a really good team. Well, we'll see what happens. you have to uh, cheers. take what's available and go, you know, go with what you got. Because then after that, you went, you went, you picked like five wide receivers in a row. Well, they, they <laughs> has to be, it has to be done. 
Especially considering in that particular draft, I think I took Gronkowski in between the two running backs. Right. You want David Johnson, Rob Gronkowski, Jamal Charles as your first three picks. But I'll take those. That was your zero running, <laughs> your zero wide receiver strategy. Uh, but my question is, if if you have uh, Martin and McCoy and Lacey right next to each other, you know, et cetera, is there really any advantage to taking any of those rather than the other ones? Because aren't they really the same guy? The same guy. I I kind of like Lacey the best of the three. If, if you know. But if you look if at I, last yeah, I get year, my choice between them. You're right. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to play this year of fantasy football looking forward more than I have in the past. I've sort of based a lot of my opinion on guys over on what happens in, in their past, and that helps me later in the season. But early in the season, I don't think it does me as much good. Well, it's going to be impossible to to play have played fantasy for for any number of years more than like a year or two. And not have opinions about all of the veteran players because of how they affected you one way or the other. Sure, um, and that's fine. Uh, but I think you're right to to sort of clear your head of those opinions is going to be helpful uh, when you're drafting. I'm at least trying. Uh, so to answer the question, if for whatever reason the value was up, if we were drafting best available, which is what I would I would probably tell most people to go out and draft, and every draft is just best available. Um, then there's no reason why you shouldn't take Doug Martin or anyone else. It's whoever is the best the player best at that point. Yeah. And unless unless I think you're you're a little bit better than the average you know fantasy guy, that's what I would recommend that you do because that's the easiest way to draft from a list without doing something terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your original question, uh, I I like Doug Martin because he's giving he's getting a lot of opportunities. On a team that doesn't seem, uh, it doesn't seem to uh, to have a changed strategy um, in the running game this year, so those opportunities should be similar, right? As have been a couple other guys that we've mentioned today, right? So let's move on to the NFC West and your favorite uh, running back from this year. Clearly, David Johnson sits in the top tier. Uh, Firmly in the top tier with Adrian Peterson and Todd Gurley. Uh, belongs definitely in the first round. Um, so he is one of five to six really legit fantasy players that the Cardinals have going right now. Um, and they, just like a lot of these other teams we've brought up today, most of the names and the roles on the teams are going to be familiar uh, if you were playing just at the end of last year. Uh, I think a lot of it is going to be similar. David Johnson looks like he'll be the man, which he was at the end of the year last year. Um, and he played very well. Yeah, so people are saying that like he is is poised to be one of the better PPR running backs that have ever played the game, but it's hard to uh, take that into serious consideration, uh, being that he's only been in the league for a year, and he's only rushed 125 times. Now, the good news is, uh, his stats are unbelievable, but he was only really given a shot to play in the last eight or nine or so games. Uh, he didn't get any major injuries or, or concern for injuries, so that's always a good thing to see. Like Andre Ellington, for example, on the Arizona Cardinals, he looked like he was going to be really good, and he just kept getting injured every single time. He got injured time. twice last year, right? Yeah. When he came back, he got injured again. And so David Johnson, when he originally uh, came into the league and was drafted by Arizona, what did they say? Everybody said, uh, he's like a bigger, stronger, sturdier, faster, better Andre Ellington. I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah, on on All or Nothing, they were saying, like, (laughs) we really like this guy. I really think that 
this guy can be the guy going forward. And it was really funny because they were like, uh, the coach especially just said, we have to bring him on slowly. We cannot give it all to him at once. It has to be slow. And, you know, early on he was scoring touchdowns every time he touched the ball. And he still brought him in slowly. And I think that that was the absolute best thing to do. No, let's 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 be fair. So is if you're talking about, like, the touchdowns, they weren't incredibly high towards the end of the year. He only scored uh, five rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns. No, he had eight rushing and four receiving. No, that's throughout the whole year. He had Oh, oh, you're talking about like just in the last Like week part. week uh week 2 he had a touchdown and week 5 he had two touchdowns, but week 5 he had two touchdowns on three rushes for 6 yards. So I mean, yeah. It wasn't you shouldn't you need to add it into the overall stats. So if we're looking at it, uh he wasn't that consistent with touchdowns because of Arizona's offense in general. Like he had a game where he had 22 rushes for 99 yards and zero touchdowns. He had a game where he had 29 rushes for 187 yards and three touchdowns. Right. So his stats are sort of padded by these really big games and lots of receptions. I think the important thing to say is that there the are always... Guys score that many points are going to be in your starting lineup every week. Yeah, but there are always running backs or wide receivers or someone at the end of the year who come on really strong and then maybe they don't live up to those expectations either for the next year or maybe for their whole career. C.J. Anderson is an example of someone who did really well the past eight, or the last eight or nine weeks of a year, and then the next year in 2015, when everyone had him rated in the top five running backs, he ended up finishing at the bottom of the running backs because he was injured all year, or he wasn't able to play up to expectations, or he had uh, psychological problems, or whatever. Point is, he wasn't able to get there, and he should have been able to based on his statistics. Now. I like Bruce Arians, and I, I've known him for a while since I was being a Steelers fan. So without waxing on too much about this, my major opinion is David Johnson, he looks legit, and Arians runs his number one running back as the number one running back. And so that's all you need to know, really, in my opinion. So if you're sitting, um, you know, more theoretical draft stuff, if you're sitting there and the, the top four wide receivers are gone, and you, you figure, well, I'm fifth, got to take a running back, are you taking Johnson, Peterson, or Gurley? You're going with Johnson, right? I think Gurley's in, a, in an offense that's kind of stuffed. Right. I think Peterson is only going to get 20 carries a game, and he's still running from the shotgun, which he doesn't like. So he's not going to be amazing. He's just going to be consistent, right? Yeah. So I think Johnson has the highest upside out of all of them, and he's a young, uh, sturdy player. So I will probably take... David Johnson, but I'll be honest with you, I'm a little lower on Gurley than most, and I would be very uh, strongly tempted to take Adrian Peterson because of uh, just because of consistency. The consistency, yeah. I would love to have 18 points a game, just guaranteed. Yeah, but but like I said, I, the problem with him, and then we didn't really touch on it that much because he's such a great running back, but uh, he's not good out of the shotgun formation. He's not as good as he used to be, and he Kubiak just refuses to to change his mind. Um, and is still going to go shotgun with Adrian Peterson every play. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, sorry. North Turner? Turner. Yes. So that just kind of bothers me a little bit about the situation. Yeah, and I, you know, hopefully that they can figure it out and he can spend a training camp working the way that they want to do it, you know, however it may be. Uh, but, yeah, you don't get as much of a head of steam 
uh, from the shotgun as you do lining up all the way in the like eight yards in the backfield. Yeah. So Johnson's my favorite running back this year, but it doesn't mean that he's going to finish in the top five. He could easily get an injury like the other guys, or he could kind of uh, lose a lot of carries to a guy like Chris Johnson, especially early in the season if they decide that they want to uh, sort of, you know, temper where he's at and give him 15 carries a game instead of 20s, yeah. then he won't he won't be the best running back. That'll be frustrating if you take him like that that high and he's only getting 15 at first. But I, I say be patient because this is the kind of running back that will win you fantasy championships at the end of the year. Well, that's like teams I've had in the past with Jamal Charles. Exactly. Uh, yeah, where he, he can would, do, what did you say earlier, one, 181 and three touchdowns? Uh, yeah, something like that. So... It's it's tough, but uh, but yeah, I like him. Uh, and then the other guys on the team. I mean, it's really it's all about whether John Brown um, or Michael Floyd will be the guy to come up and sort of take over uh, the WR one on that team. Because I know you think highly of Fitzgerald, and he'll still probably have a good year. But one of those guys is going to come out and grab the head this year. Yeah, and they're all kind of in this like pile of muck right there in the same part of the draft. So Michael Floyd is WR26, Fitz is WR27, and Brown is WR32. So uh, aside from Brown having a few concussion issues, I believe, at the moment, uh, assuming they're all healthy to start the season, they're all kind of in the same area as like all good WR3s. Uh, any one of them could put up a huge game, though. So, um, you know, I, I like guys like that. Uh, when it comes to finding people to fill in your bye weeks and stuff like that. Sometimes you hit on the right weeks. Sometimes you can find the right matchups and uh, pick up patterns later in the season uh, with guys like this. Um, so, you know, I don't know who you're going to wind up with, but it's not a bad idea to have a Cardinals receiver. I wonder where they actually ended up, um, you know, overall for wide receivers last year. Last year? Fitz had like nine touchdowns and 1,200 yards. John Brown had like 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. I mean... They 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 got to be higher than WR threes if we're looking at it objectively. Uh well yeah I can get you that number in just a moment but I believe that uh, at least two of them finish in the top twenty five of. Uh, and Floyd know, Floyd points. had eight hundred and forty nine and six touchdowns so yeah they they could all have the exact same season they could all go nine hundred yards and seven touchdowns next year all three of them and you'd be like. You should just draft all three of them and just stick them in as your wide receivers. Just take them around, you know, round, round six, something like that. <laughs> so Fitz was 10th overall, 171 points. But it was his best season in, like, four years. It, it was. It really was. And it could be, like, the, you know, the flash at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Brown was the second. Uh, he was 25, 4, 3, 2, 1, 21st overall, 142 points. Uh, and then Michael Floyd, I assume... He's lower, yeah. Yeah, he's lower because he didn't... Uh, he missed a few games, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he had 8.50 and 6. He's like 31. Okay, so you got three guys about top 30. Um, so it, it's a it's a toss-up. But I, I think you're... I think that one of those guys will break out from each other. And, and whether or not it continues to be Brown or if Michael Floyd steps up, we'll see. Because uh, um, they're, they're all going to be healthy for the season. I just think, and maybe this is uh, me drunk on watching the Arizona Cardinals on Amazon, but I think that Fitzgerald is going to have like one last really good year, and they're going to win the Super Bowl, and he's going to ride off into the sunset and retire. Well, that's why he came back. 
I know, and he's on a really and good team. And their team is awesome. Yeah, so I think that <laughs> I think that it's going to be the Cardinals this year, um, and I think that Larry Fitzgerald is going to lead the way and have like a epic year to finish his career. Well, if he does, then certainly David Johnson will have an epic year as he well. He certainly will. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone on the team is going to have an epic year because Larry Fitzgerald like just watching some of the plays that he makes in games to like take over games like I think he's going to be able to just channel that for a whole season and just really crush the league uh so um you've also got Carson Palmer uh he's currently being drafted in the middle of the seventh round um I like that right there I think that he is on one of the top offenses in the league uh, his running back is a guy that he can throw passes to as well, so that's just more, you know, yeah, bonus got, points for Carson Palmer. He got $25 million for signing a one-year extension with the Cardinals. Yeah, so middle of the seventh round is just fine with me uh, for drafting Carson Palmer. I like him there. Um, you know, go for it. It worked for me last year. <laughs> I think it'll work for you this year, <laughs> drafting Carson Palmer. Uh, so uh, the 49ers, I don't want to talk about the 49ers, so we'll go on to the Seahawks. <laughs> we should still talk about them. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so there aren't too many acquisitions for the 49ers. Um, they do have 2014 pick Bruce Ellington. May find his way onto rosters, but he's not currently being drafted in most leagues. Uh, Carlos Hyde is being drafted. Uh, fourth round is the RB15, which I see is very overvalued for Carlos Hyde. He's on a team that's going to have Blaine Gabbert as the starting quarterback, uh, a team that is not going to be known for its offensive consistency. So Carlos Hyde is a guy who um, will probably be the best running back on most of the teams that he's drafted, um, you know, but expected to be the best, I should say. Uh, he certainly won't end up being the best quarterback running back on anyone's team. Um, I, I don't like him at all this year. I think that uh, you should skip Carlos Hyde almost regardless of the value you're going to get for him. So uh, Sean Drone is his uh, is his backup, and, and something interesting about that guy is that he looks like he could do really well in PPR for very low end, uh, you know, running backs. It's not a bad idea to scoop him up in a deep league. Um, and I know you haven't moved on to receivers yet, but um, Sean, again, our, our college expert, has consistently said that Bruce Ellington is going to be something special on that team. I agree with him. He's a third year receiver who hasn't really gotten a chance just yet. New management, and they actually like him. Uh, Gabbard and Ellington have uh, really gotten together well in practice. And he's not a big guy. He's sort of that little slot guy who uh, who may end up being... And, and here's what I think was going to happen with the 49ers. You've got Gabbard, who's not going to take a whole bunch of like down-the-field swings with Torrey Smith, right? So right. you're mostly going to get short yardage with Carlos Hyde, PPR running back stuff from Sean Drone. And uh, a whole bunch of like possession slot little ball control passes with Bruce Ellington, which makes Ellington's worth possibly you know up there in uh, in the territory of guys um, that that could be like a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, starting on your team because they get so many passes per game. So it's right. someone to watch, especially because he's not being drafted. Guys who are given so much of an opportunity to uh, you know run with the ball that. They just have to be played. Yeah, I don't care if the 49ers are a bad team. If this guy gets 8 or 10 targets a game, he's still someone you need to look at. Right. And it looks like he might be because, really, there's nobody else on the team. I mean, they have Jerome Simpson on their team. When's the last time that he did well in a, in a football game? I, you know... Uh, Torrey Smith is their number one receiver, and they don't have a, a guy who's going to chuck it. Um, they've got Vance McDonald and Garrett Selleck at 
uh, tight end. Yeah, there's nothing going on. So look for a guy like this to uh, have some kind of a spark, and, and we'll see if that's interesting. But like I said, it, it'll be the tail end of the draft anyway. It'll be a flyer that you pick up. It'll be someone you grab in the first week or two. But keep your eye out, because a lot of people are saying that this, and uh, the bad thing about fantasy football leagues in, in this day and age, and I say that as someone who is not... 50 years old. I say that as someone who's in his mid-30s. What that means for me is that when I started playing, uh, which is now more than several years ago, there weren't as many places that had this kind of information, and certainly there weren't a million apps that gave you updates immediately when something happened. So in order to have a true sleeper in fantasy football anymore, you have to recognize it before the entire world knows about it. And that's the situation currently. That's true. I mean, you can't just rely on picking up uh, guys on the waiver wire. You know, if your team is any good, you're going to be winning games, and you're not going to have a good waiver pick. Well, especially if you're playing on Yahoo or ESPN or CBS or any of those leagues that like tell you who to pick, which is kind <laughs> of that's true. I mean, you, we should just start moving all of our leagues to somewhere where they don't just tell you who you need to pick. Right. Here's an alphabetized list <laughs> of players. Enjoy. Then there's they're just taking the skill out of the game and making it like a. Um, what do you call they're those? Just telling, it's like a an endless runner. Yeah, yeah. They're just putting all the yeah. options before you, and you just click the button. Yeah, boo. <laughs> right, that's not what fantasy football should be. The skill involved is is actually picking a waiver wire pick instead of forgetting about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, the uh, 49ers, You know, the the worst thing about them is that they have to play six games against the NFC West. Two games against the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Rams, teams with, you know, top ten defenses in the league. So they're going to lose eight games is what you're saying? Well... Off the bat. At least. I mean, that's... Well, it's it's six only against those guys. Oh, but, yes, of course. Yeah, I could totally see them going winless in the division. And in all those games, you know, the fantasy players may... You may not even want to start them. So they'll go ten and six? And uh, you're saying the 49ers? Oh, hell no. Will they be the worst team in the league? They're gonna go, you know, two and fourteen probably. Two, wow, yeah, okay. Are they gonna perform better than uh, than Tennessee this year? Is that what you're saying? No, they're not gonna. I tried I think to that I tried to mix the you up there team. with the with the terminology. Yeah, I think they're gonna be the worst team in the league. Well, it's always hard to beat out the Cleveland Browns, but I, I the 49ers are gonna give it a shot. Cleveland Browns have Flash. Yeah, okay. And RG three. That sounds like vapor. <laughs> show me, show me where the that's. Forty Nineers don't even have vapor, man. Where, where have Gordon? Have none of that. They got Blaine Gabbert. He's vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Well, both teams are are kind of uh, yeah. You know what uh, RG three is? I like vanilla ice cream, by the way. He's Rocky Road. <laughs> okay, so under uh, the Seahawks, uh, Thomas Rawls is going to be replacing Marshawn Lynch. Uh, and he did perform well last year uh, when he was replacing him. He's being drafted accord- accordingly. He's currently at an ADP of 31, the 13th running back. And if he sees the 15 carries per game, I think he's kind of uh, worth that spot up there. Uh, he's another one of those guys that would fall into the uh, best available. When he's there as the best available, and it's truly best available, you know, somewhere down 36th, 37th pick, you know, I, I think that you definitely got to snatch him up because he's going to be on an offense that is consistent and good at running the ball. They've got a good uh, quarterback, but a guy who doesn't throw the ball too much, they are going to run the ball a whole lot on this team. Thomas Rawls is going to get a huge amount of carries. You know, We always see Christine Michael hyped, uh, 
but are you buying it? I don't buy it. I don't think I. I'd like to say I've never bought it, um, but I've mostly just ignored it. Well, a couple things. First of all, you said that they're not going to throw the ball out, and it used to be true, but it's not true anymore. Last year they threw for over four thousand yards, and he had Russell Wilson had thirty four touchdowns. And according to the coach and what what they're, everyone was saying, they're going to become more of a passing team. Do you remember last year when Baldwin and Lockett put up these gaudy numbers and they just started passing the ball everywhere? That's uh, the Seattle Seahawks now, man. It's crazy. So watch out for, for their offense being much better passing than ever before. Uh, th- that said, also in the, in the backfield, uh, I feel like there's a dangerous committee coming because apparently C.J. Procise is a really good running back as well. So you've got Procise, uh, Michael perhaps infringing a couple touches, and then you've got Rawls, who is still technically, I think, recovering from an injury and not really practicing yet, if I have that correct. Um, so, I'm not certain on Rawls' status at the moment. But I just want to go back for a second and clarify what I meant by they don't, you know, they throw the ball almost as little as anyone else in the league, only 53% of the time. So, yes, there is a lot of opportunity, and they do rack up a lot of offense through the air, but they are still running the ball 47% of the time, which means they're doing it more than almost every other team. So he's still going to be getting tons of opportunities, even though the uh, passing offense is working well. And that's the sign of a very good offense, really. Sure. His, his passing attempts have increased every year, so it just looks to me as a trend that they're they're passing more and more, unless... They were performing more plays year after year for the last four years. I mean, I don't know the answer. Probably. Uh, but I just, you know, last year passing plays per game, you know, they were uh, almost at the end of the league in terms of percentage of passing plays, passing right. to run. Well, then they were awfully, awfully good at it, I suppose. Exactly. They're very efficient <laughs> when they do throw it. They, you know, but they're going to they're gonna be handing the ball off an awful lot, and that's really good uh, for, you know, when you're looking for a running back. 34 passing touchdown. Yes. Russell Wilson, man, he's going to be great, I think. Well, um, we have some uh, you know, of our friends who think he'll be the best uh, quarterback in the league, and he has never missed a game uh, in the four years that he's played. I like to see that. So, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Eight interceptions last year. Seven interceptions the year before. Never had more than ten interceptions in a year. That's fantastic. <laughs> he, he's just like a model. He's like a straight-A student. He is exactly what he is. <laughs> He's, He's a little a teacher's petty, which yeah. is why he didn't get along with Deshaun Jackson very well. <laughs> you mean Marshawn Lynch? Oh, uh, sorry, Marshawn Lynch, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean... They're polar know, opposites, those guys. Pete Carroll knows where his butter is bread, where his bread is butter. I don't know. That's not probably the right uh, You've said it metaphor now. to use anyway. So it's out there. <laughs> whatever, whatever that is. Uh, so uh, I, I'm a little worried about the Rawls situation. I don't think he so easily just steps in and becomes the guy, especially when he only became the guy before after chaos occurred. Uh, right. It's not like he was the first guy that they turned to. And he got hurt as well at the end of last year. But we'll see. I, I agree that right now the 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 um, projections and the percentage game will tell you that he will open the year as the quarter, as the running back, kind of like the Jeremy Langford situation. If you draft him, you should expect him to be the starter on the team. Right. right. So uh, Russell Wilson's easily going to be a top 10, possibly a top 5 guy this year. Um, like you said, 35 touchdowns and only 8 interceptions. Um, this guy is clearly like honing in as a very good passing quarterback, not just um, you know an all-around kind of gadgety guy that we saw in his first year or two. Uh, so Doug Baldwin's going to be the main recipient. 
Um, but I, I think the most interesting mystery on the team is going to be Jimmy Graham. His current ADP is 106. He's the 12th tight end off the board. Um, I wonder, you know, he has the most talent on the offensive side of this ball other than Russell Wilson now. I'm so happy to hear that, like, he's actually recovered and he's off the pup list and he's going to start, uh, you know, playing and activating uh, him in for practices. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome to me. I, I, you know, just for the sake of, you know, the guy, you know, I'm sure he's a good guy, just for the sake of him playing, and I hope that he does well, but that was the injury that's essentially ended Victor Cruz's career. Um, you know, it, it, he has gotten a bunch of injuries since then as well, Cruz has. Victor Cruz says he's good to go every year. Right, and <laughs> we don't see it ever. Well, uh, I've, I've watched a couple shows on this and uh, and listened to a couple podcasts, and um, some of the doctors that have been brought on as guests, for example, when talking about the patellar tendon tear, which is a particularly bad injury for athletes, as you just mentioned, and has ended some careers of people in uh, basketball and football. Um, they were comparing it to when they first started having like ACL and MCL injuries and the doctors weren't really sure how to fix it so they were never able to put him back to 100%. Okay. They're saying that perhaps they've gotten there now and that uh, even something that seems so bad like that can finally actually be repaired to an almost 100% uh, recovery. So That's excellent. We don't actually know that to be the case and nobody does. Um, but the fact that he is... He looks like he can go out there and and play football. Um, is something I don't think any of us thought would happen. I think we all thought he would start on the pup list and maybe come out and try uh, week eight or something. Yeah, and it looks like he'll probably be able to start the season with the team or or early in the season uh, with them. So and, and like you were saying, they are getting better at these surgeries all the time. It seems like ACL surgeries are ever since Adrian Peterson came back from his. I think that was sort of like the herald that like look you know we know how to fix this now and a lot of guys are coming back from theirs now well the sports medicine is the pinnacle of medicine because that's the most money that is where all the money is and Absolutely. so if if these doctors are getting paid millions of dollars to perform surgery which they are uh you know maybe not directly from the player but but they're getting their money you know from the team the team is protecting their investment yeah and so if, if the doctors are making that much money, then they are going to concentrate on being literally the best at this thing. So you have guys that probably might not even be able to perform some other operations, but they can repair an ACL while they're sleeping. Sure. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to the final team. We've got the Los Angeles Rams. Remember, Dave, the Los Angeles Rams now. They're no longer in St. Louis. Um, their main feature on offense is Todd Gurley. We've brought him up a few times today already. He's currently the RB1 in the ADP on uh, Fantasy Pros. He is being drafted third overall after AB and OBJ. Um, so, I, you know, I'm fine with him being the first guy off the board. I am not as down on Gurley as you maybe are. Um, but hey, I no, do... listen, I don't think he's the number 20 running back. That's, right, saying thing <laughs> you're... Moving him from three to four is almost like saying, "Oh, I'm down on the guy," just because he's being, you know, he he's held in such high esteem. Yeah. But um, I I really think that he could benefit from a better offense. If he had a better offense, I would feel more comfortable with that. I just fear that a guy like this could have sub ten point games like four or five times during the year. But he has because like, the team isn't going to be very good. Like last year, he had games where he had 19 yards and. Or 41 yards or 48 yards. Um, right. There's going to be 
days when his when the whole Rams offense gets 150 yards and that's it. And he's not really a PPR guy. He's had a couple games where he's caught two or three passes, but he doesn't on the regular catch a whole bunch of stuff in the backfield. So, so if it's you know if I have the third overall pick, I think I'm still going to stick with the wideout. I'm going to take whichever of the uh, you know Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones isn't taken at that point. I don't think I'm going to go with uh, Gurley quite that early. Um, so the other guy on the team is Tavon Austin. Um, he's really the only other draftable player on the team, and he's being taken at the end of the 12th round. So that's just wide receiver depth. He is a guy that can score from anywhere on the field. That doesn't mean it happens every game. In fact, um, he tends to be a, a very streaky player from my memory. I wrote an article about a guy a long time ago uh, when he first entered the uh, the league, and that was back in 2012, and it was for the same team, although they were in St. Louis. Uh, the guy's name is Brian Quick, um, and he's still competing for positions uh, in, for the Rams. I think, personally, based on, um, on the Rams and what they are in their organization and what their depth chart looks like, that Brian Quick could end up being a guy who excels in, in whatever offense is, cre- is being created here. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to be awesome this year. I just think that his, his measurables are so awesome. And the reason I wrote the article and felt compelled to is because this guy came out of, uh, of school with uh, some of the best measurables I've seen. He's 6'3", and he was really fast and had a really high vertical leap and really big hands. You know, it's those things like... They don't uh, call him Brian Quick for nothing. With Doriel Green Beckham, for example, where you, you look at the guy and you say, well, he's obviously going to be uh, you know, a basketball player or a football player or something. It doesn't mean that they actually are going to end up being amazing, but they have the ability, the, the pure physical ability... He looks ability like an athlete. ...to do it. So... That's kind of my pick if we're talking about uh, deep sleepers in a big league. I like Brian Quick to break out this year in a big way, finally. But you should know that I also said that last year, and he, <laughs> he ended up with uh, 10 receptions for 102 yards. So this is certainly not something to bet the bank on. I think every team has at least one guy on it like that. I mean, why why else do they keep around so many guys? It's because they think that they do have I'm value. I'm sure they all have several, at least one fantasy-relevant guy for sure. Yeah, this intrinsic value that they, this inherent value, rather, better word, that they see in uh, in that kind of a player. So other than that, I agree with you. I don't think there's a whole lot of fantasy value, and I don't think we're going to see Jared Goff, uh, at least not right away. So the only person on the team is Todd Gurley and the occasional Tavon Austin highlight reel. Right. Then you know that's about all, about all she wrote for the the Rams this year. So they've got Case Keenum starting at quarterback, uh, or no, sorry, they've got um, uh, help me out here, Carson Wentz. No, no. It's, it's Case Keenum. Right now it's Case Keenum, but they're going to have the rookie. No, I don't think so. You don't think they're going to have the rookie starting this year? Jared Goff. Yeah. Uh, most NFL teams, and you know this, they they want to have the rookie starting. Uh, um, the next year. So they might not publicly just be like, um, we're going to have him starting in week six. Right. But they drafted him because they think he's better than the backup. That's true. So they want him to start. They want I mean, him to learn from the backup as well. First he has to learn his cardinal directions and whether or not mermaids <laughs> are real and things like that before he can start in an we will get game. We will get some insight into that <laughs> when we watch Hard Knocks next. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, um, 
it's been a good show, Dave. I think we uh, have now covered both the NFC and the AFC. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about some rookies and stuff like that. Uh, we will be on Wednesday night rather than uh, Tuesday night. And then um, I think the week after, we'll just kind of sum up everything and give you one last uh, rundown of what's going on before uh, the final round of drafts. I think a lot of drafts happen that Labor Day weekend. A lot of big drafts. So I'm excited for uh, draft season to roll on and the league to finally start. All right, cheers. All right, drink five, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Go to iTunes and give us a review. And uh, listen to us next week. 